Poets in a Pod. I'm AJ Saller, and today we'll be taking a look behind the curtains of YCA with the newest Director of Development, Sarah Coral. Just a reminder, YCA is a safe space. We allow no discrimination of any kind, um, no fatphobic, no racist, no homophobic, um, no ableist, uh, and just any kind of BS you want to bring to the table, we will not allow. Um, and that goes into our guest introduction. Hi, Sarah. How are Hi. you? I'm doing great. Thanks for coming. So Sarah Coral is a fundraising professional and musician with 12 years of experience working at Chicago nonprofits. She started her career at Chicago Children's Museum and then worked as a grant writer for Cen- at Center for Neighborhood Technology, Marwin, and most recently the Joffrey Ballet. Sarah graduated from the University of Chicago with degrees in history and Latin American studies. That's so cool. In addition to her fundraising work, Sarah is a singer, songwriter, and multi-instrumentalist who performs regularly around the Midwest. It got even cooler. Um, She also likes to knit and sew her own clothes and care for her sweet elderly cat, Lucy. Folks can check out her music at sarahleginski.bandcamp.com and glassmountaintrio.bandcamp.com or on Spotify. Her knitting and sewing Instagram page is at coral.fiber.arts. All right. Thank you so much for coming, Sarah. How are you feeling today? I'm feeling great. Thank you so much for inviting me. That's awesome. Um, it's really nice now, too. Like It's no. such a perfect, I think, uh, mid-August day. Mid-August? I feel the fall coming and that makes me happy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Definitely more of a cold weather person. For, oh, really? Yeah, it, it got cold for like two days yeah. and I got super excited. I was like, I can feel it. I can feel the pumpkin. It's coming. Yes. PSLs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, listen, I'll order a PSL whenever. Um, all right. Do you want to talk about a little bit about uh, what development is? You're the director of development at Young Chicago Authors. Um, do you want to talk about a little bit about what you do um, and what it means to really be in development? Absolutely. Um, first of all, thank you so much for um, having me share about the work. Um, as we were for talking sure. about before the podcast started, that we don't get too many opportunities in this field to talk about what we do with no. our peers because they kind of just wanted to happen and mm-hmm. not worry about it, which I fully understand. Um, so yeah, it's great to share about it. Um, so development is fundraising. I'm not actually sure why they call it development, but that's just the industry word. Um, so we do all of the fundraising work at YCA. Um, YCA's budget is about $1.3 million each year. Um, and so that's what we're responsible for raising uh, is $1.3 million about. Um, and that comes from a variety of sources. So um, most of our funding comes from foundations. Um, so those are larger grants, um, you know, in the fifteen dollars to $20,000 range or even up to $100,000, oh, $150,000 each. Wow, okay. um, and then we also get uh, donations from individuals, and those can range from the people who are giving like a dollar, five dollars, whatever they can give, to individuals that are giving $100,000 a year. Um, and then we also get some funding from corporations and government agencies like Illinois Arts Council and um, the National Endowment for the Arts. And uh, from our board of directors, they contribute personally. And then finally, the other revenue stream, which isn't fundraising, but which we are kind of overseeing now that um, our beloved Nick Ward is leaving, um, 
is the fee-for-service uh, thing. So, mm-hmm. like, when we go out to a school and do a one-off program. And those are, like, us. gigs, right? Yeah, gigs, okay. exactly. Or, you know, when we send out one of you all to, to perform mm-hmm. for, a, like, a corporate event or something like that. So that's where we make a little bit of revenue. But for the most part, we're doing fundraising. Okay. So it's our responsibility as the development team to make sure um, – that all the proposals are submitted, that we're maintaining relationships with folks, um, because really it's down to just keep building and maintaining positive relationships with funders, because when people are giving you money, um, for the most part, you know, that's a big, that's a big deal. And yeah. um, we really need to make sure that they know where that money is going, mm-hmm. how it's being used, and to feel appreciated for that, because it is um, a really beautiful gift. Um, so, yeah, for the most part, we're, um, you know, writing proposals, sending out uh, newsletters, um, going to meetings with folks, um, inviting people to events and sharing the work with them. Uh, so it's all kinds of different things. Just We're just scurrying around behind the scenes. Oh, for sure. I <laughs> yeah. think, I, I mean, people don't talk about money. People don't yeah. talk about money, especially when it comes to the arts. I feel like yeah. it's really difficult to talk about where the funding is going or yeah. even coming from. Um, and it's it's hard to talk about, I mean, artists getting paid, yeah. um, people on the ground versus people like in administration. It's really difficult. I think this will be a really interesting episode because we really get into the nitty gritty. Yeah. Like we, I think we're asking questions that um, people don't really talk about. People don't. Um, I think uh, there's like bigger conversations happening around the nonprofit world, especially in Chicago too, um, but especially right now, um, mm-hmm. that it's it's hard to talk about money. I think I mean even for me, I feel like I'm uncomfortable around the conversation of money. I'm like, don't let's not talk about it. Let's, absolutely, absolutely. Let's just do it. Let's just do art for the sake of art. But yeah. money is real. Money is energy. Um, we exist under capitalism. Absolutely. Absolutely. We want to absolutely or not. <laughs> Yeah. Thanks for um, giving us like a little bit of insight on your day to day. I mean, you didn't give us an insight on the day to day. It was more of a like a general outlook. Mm-hmm. Um, I would be really interested to learn like what you do on a day to day. For sure. Um, so what's your favorite thing? What's your favorite thing about yourself? But also out of all of your like everything that's on your plate, um, what do you cherish the most? What do you like the most? Uh, what are you most grateful for? Yeah. All, all of those questions all at once. Please answer them right now. I'll do my best. Okay. <laughs> so I'm a very, um, I have a lot of restless energy. So I really like to channel that into creative things. Um, I'm a very like, fidgety person. So I like to do things with my hands. Um, and I've, so in terms of the knitting and sewing, like that's a really amazing calming, peaceful outlet for me to just be mm-hmm. making things. And I just have started making my own clothes during COVID and like I'm trying to build a me-made wardrobe and um so that's I just really enjoy that and I love giving gifts um of of my handmade things that's my love language is giving handmade gifts so um it, it brings me joy um and then in terms of the music um yeah again like I don't think I would want to do it as a career okay full time I really just cherish my ability to connect with people making music um expressing myself and just mm-hmm. having it be something fun and enjoyable that I want to do. Um, there was a time in my 20s where I was 
just doing way too much and it felt like this obligation and I would kind of shout out writing the most in your time. Yes, exactly. I mean, that's the time to do it. Right. Um, (laughs) But I definitely was like, oh, I shouldn't have to feel dread about doing a musical thing. So I stepped back from a couple of different projects. Um, So now I just kind of focus on what I want to do and um, you know, nights and weekends. It's not too frequent, so it's totally manageable and it gives me joy. Super cool that you were like able to check in with yourself. Um, and just make sure that you were doing doing what you needed to be doing and doing what you wanted to be doing in a way that you wanted to do it. That's awesome. Yeah. So where are you, like, you're saying you perform, like, on the weekends? Do you perform mm-hmm. any, anywhere regularly around Chicago? Or, or do you have favorite spots that you've performed? Yeah, um, there's a couple spots I love. Um, probably my favorite is The Hideout. Um, okay. And I've performed there a lot, and it's just a really wonderful community um, and, a, and a cool space. Um... Uh, tomorrow I'm playing at the Beat Kitchen um, on Belmont. Um, it's a like a restaurant and music venue. Yeah, I've been there before. That's little, awesome. Um, bluegrass brunch um, every Saturday that I help book. Amazing. Um, so I'm playing that tomorrow. That's like a pretty regular thing that I do. Um, Can we plug that real quick? Beat Kitchen Bluegrass Brunch. Every Amazing. Saturday, every Saturday. Eleven to two. Show up, everybody. Show up. Good food. Good tunes. Yeah. Um, um, yeah. and then that's awesome. Lots of weddings and events and stuff like For that. For sure. So would you say Chicago music scene is your favorite part about it? About the city? Oh my gosh. Well, yes. And I just feel like in Chicago, anything that you want to do, any random interest that you have, there's at least like 10 people also doing it. For sure. Do it yeah. There's like a niche. There's an organization. They yeah. already opened, a, opened up a gym. Exactly. Yeah. So, um... Anything I've wanted to explore musically, like, there's some way to do it. Um, so cool. And, yeah, it's just the most uh, welcoming and supportive community I've found so far, especially mm-hmm. with musicians, compared to places like New York or Boston or L.A. Have you played, you played the, the, there before? Yeah, and I've just talked to, to working musicians that um, live in those places. Mm-hmm. It's very competitive and very much about image and For sure. status and stuff. And in Chicago, it's like way more DIY and just like how can we create space for people to express themselves it's awesome so. so so you'd say like Chicago cares about people everywhere else doesn't um we yes, can just gen- yeah we can just <laughs> generally <laughs> label everywhere else but Chicago, Chicago as rules. the best yeah. yeah all right now that's settled um <laughs> Uh, so you you said in your twenties you were you were doing the most. Was that in in music? Like was that before you started at Young Chicago Authors? So what was your like journey into into this position into director of development? Mm, yeah. Um, so I was a history major in college, so that mm-hmm. just involved a lot of writing and research. And what I really fell in love with in the process of learning history is the way that you take a bunch of different sources, like um, sources and and people's stories, and you combine them into a narrative and a story that you're telling. Mm -hmm. Um, I really enjoy that process of like piecing it together like a puzzle. Um, And so I don't actually know how I, I guess I maybe like intuitively knew that grant writing would be like that, or that's just kind of the direction I went. I was like, oh, it seems like I'm writing papers now, like, I'll just continue (laughs) writing um, and and doing that storytelling, and that's a big part of fundraising is the Mm -hmm. storytelling component and, like, like, talking to all different kinds of people about the work that they're doing and figuring out, like, what's the message here. 
Um, so yeah, I just kind of fell into development and pursued that path, and that's um, gotten me to this point. Very cool. And you've worked at a couple different organizations before you landed at YCA. Yeah, I knew I wanted to be in nonprofits for okay. sure, as opposed to corporate. It just doesn't suit my personality or my values. I knew Absolutely. I wanted something that actually was of service. Mm-hmm. Um, and this seemed to be like the way I could offer my skills. Yeah, I really like that. I like the 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 fact that you knew your goal was to be of service in any way. Um, and I think a lot of people who want to be in service think about, you know, on the ground, like hands-on help, like I, I need to see what my help has impacted. Um, but I think when you're more behind the scenes, especially in development, it's like you kind of trust that this money is going into this organization and is um, is helping the mission. Um, and you don't really get to see much of the like direct impact, but uh, you still know. Yeah, you I would know? say that you, you do actually. Really? I mean, I think that's one of the most rewarding parts of the job I think if I didn't get to see it it would be really draining okay I'm really, telling you words like, right out of your mouth burn out. Yeah. like um no you need to stay connected to the mission otherwise it can be really mm-hmm. <laughs> draining and um and uh tough so I think that's what keeps me going in the in the field for sure is just seeing that the work that I'm doing is helping support mm-hmm young people expressing themselves interesting um yeah maybe i'm thinking about that more of like um uh like other people recognize and that's interesting for me to to notice that that like maybe just because somebody somebody else hasn't recognized the work that you do or or can't see that it's like Mm hands-on it is Mm hands-on um doesn't mean that it's not direct impact right Mm -hmm. um so you already said that being of service was kind of your personal goal um, with co- going into grant writing. Was there any other goals that you were looking at um, when picking different positions uh, along the way, along the journey of coming coming here? Yeah, um, I mean, as a musician, um, it was really important to me to um, be at an organization that supported the arts. Um, it's, um, I mean, I as a teen benefited very much from arts education, mm-hmm. and I very intimately understand that feeling of like finding your thing as a teenager that you connect to and can express yourself through like whatever medium it is for you like for me that was music um and it really changed the trajectory of my life because I was like oh this is this is what gives me joy and I can I can pursue this and I have this in my Mm -hmm. life um I think that's you know what a lot of YCA folks are figuring out is like is this going to be my career is it just going to be something Mm -hmm beautiful in my life that I carry with me. Um, I think both of those are super valuable for me. Just having it in my life um, made the difference. And so to be able to work at an organization that offers that to the next generation is so important. That's, yeah, that's awesome to hear. I think it really is. It's like, I feel like remembering being a teenager and and finding poetry, finding writing, and, and even like connecting out to YCA was amazing. It's like, it's a feeling that like, wow, I finally belong here, or wow, I finally know how to release all of this stuff that's, like, stuffed in, inside me or inside my brain or whatever. Um, so it's, re- it's really awesome that that's what you're looking uh, to work towards or to, yeah. to, to help others find. Um, yeah, it's, it's super awesome. Uh, I think it's, like, it's, it's awesome to see that the intention is pure, right? The intention is to help others. Um, but because of the systems that we live in, because of the systems that have been set up, I'm sure there's huge roadblocks. I'm sure there's like really tough things along the way that, um, 
you know, it's like in my head, it's super simple. It's like you want to help someone, go help them, right? But there's bureaucracy and 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 hoops to jump through and all kinds of things things so can you talk a little, a little bit about that like what are the biggest roadblocks and and getting the funding that you need i mean you said it was a 1.3 million budget right mm-hmm. um what are the biggest roadblocks in receiving that yeah i think it's um in in fundraising the hardest first step is just connecting with people i think once you make that initial connection uh you can move from there and show the work and they'll they'll get it but it's like getting that first um, meeting with somebody or getting that first um, point of interest is really hard because um in the field they call it the nonprofit hunger games it's like oh, everybody sorry. is competing for the same pots of money it's unfortunately that's the way the system has been working mm-hmm. um, you know, it's, it's gradually changing to be more collaborative and um, more of like sharing the wealth but mm-hmm. um you know, that's just how it works. Like, we're all fighting for the same funding. Um, and it's sort of this, like, who do you know? Who can you get? Who, like, how can you get a board member to connect you with somebody? Mm-hmm. Um, how can you get a meeting with this person? Um, it's a lot of uh, prospect research is what we call it when you're um, identifying people who could potentially uh, give to the organization. So we do a lot of actually quite creepy research on people's okay. <laughs> financials and their um, their databases where you can go in and see you know, political donations that they've made so you can understand. Interesting. Who, look at other organizations they funded so you can see who they are um, interested in funding and whether they might be interested in your organization. Um, so it's just so like you're saying lot. you invented doxing? Is that what it is? Um, like the no, yeah, fundraising I invented it, but I didn't yeah. engage in it. Yes. Oh, okay. <laughs> cool. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, we'll be messaging you next time you match with someone on Tinder and don't know what they're. <laughs> yeah, I can help you out. <laughs> yeah, awesome. <laughs> um, so, what are these people like? Like you're talking about, um, you're trying to network with with all these different kinds of people. Like, what are they like? Is it like a stuffy room um, with super like bureaucratic mm-hmm. uh, connections? making or is it more casual like are you are you kind of going up to someone and begging them for large sums of money or is it more of a hey this is what we're doing like are they do they appreciate what your what your work is and um do you feel appreciated in those spaces it's so different for every single situation i would say um for me the the easiest and most comfortable is with foundations because it's understood that that's it, the transaction that you're having. Like, you're approaching a foundation because they give money. Can you so, Okay, so can you talk a little bit about what, like, a foundation is? Is it someone sets something up yeah. to donate money to specific causes, right? Yeah, so usually um, the, old, the oldest ones were founded, uh, some wealthy individual dumped a bunch of money into a foundation, and then they set the priorities of that foundation, like, this is what we want to fund, or the board okay. of the foundation sets the priorities, and then the program officers... Uh, and then the program officers, um, uh, which is the name of the, the people who work at the foundation, that's the title of the people who work at the foundation, um, will go out and identify um, organizations that fit those goals or priorities. Okay. Um, and make, it's essentially an investment organization. You know, they their money is invested, and that's mm-hmm. how they, so they, each year they, I'm not, I'm not sure if this is 100% right, but I believe how it works is that the money that we have to spend each year is like what they're making off of their investments. Um, okay. That may not be right. I'll look into it and let you know if you might. Okay. Don't quote us on that. <laughs> Don't go me on that. Yeah. Gotcha. But, um, not financial advice. Like, for example, <laughs> uh, during the 2008 
um, financial crisis. Yeah. That was a huge crisis for nonprofits because all of the investments that foundations made were lost and they didn't have any money to give out. Oh, okay. So that was, it's very um, reliant on the overall financial health of the country, which is like another yeah. thing, another factor that we can't control and it's just wild. Everything's connected and everything's chaos. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, so in terms of working with those people, it's, it's, um, reaching out to the program officers, telling them about the work, submitting proposals, having site visits where they come out and look and see the work, and then the, the role of the program officers to advocate for the organizations to the board of directors, and then the board and the president will make the final decisions on okay. those grants. Um, and the program officers are usually like down with the cause, right? Absolutely, okay. like it's very much, especially now, not so much in previous generations, mm-hmm. but now foundations are probably leading the way in terms of changing the landscape of philanthropy and how it's done. Um, like now, uh, several foundations are moving towards um, community-based review processes. So they actually are bringing in folks from the communities that are served by the organizations they're wow. funding to make decisions about who should get the money. Amazing. Yeah. yeah that's. Uh, I think it's so important yeah. because ultimately, organizations doing the work are the ones who, who know what needs Absolutely, to be spent and yeah. how to spend it and not some sort of overarching uh, organization that says like this is what your priority should be Absolutely, yeah. and I think that I mean that's the, the same conversation that we've been having like there, the, it's, it's kind of like there's people in control of the money and so they're also in control of the conversation yes, right? yes. Um, and when you bring more people into the conversation you bring more like ability to to make this money do amazing things um especially talking about like collaborative efforts yeah. between nonprofits instead of competition i think because we live in a system where everything's competition we can't really see past that but mm-hmm. i feel like collaboration is i mean there's if there is really a finite amount of resources like they say or whatever um the only way to make it better is to, to all come together right um yeah and um it's easier to get bigger grants when you have a collaborative project For sure. because each organization is getting a certain amount. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, you could say like, we need $200,000 or half a million dollars or a million dollars to execute this long-term project where a bunch of different organizations are involved and everybody will benefit and something will um, be produced to um, help the field. Or, you know, it'll be, um, it'll help young people. Yeah. Um, yeah, work together and you'll get more money. Yeah. Um, I'm, just, I'm just spewing out advice today. Um, none of them financial. We're going to take a quick break um, just to talk a little bit about uh, what YCA is up to with Sarah's help, of course. Um, thanks for funding all of this in- or helping fund all of this amazing stuff. Um, it's, Sarah- it's out of Sarah's pocket, <laughs> specifically. Uh, <laughs> every Word Counts and Check the Method have been running every Saturday since September 17th in person um, and they'll continue to run for the rest of the year. There are spaces for all writers and music lovers ages 12 to 25 years of age. Uh, There's super awesome writing and music workshops that happen in the YCA space uh, at 1180 North Milwaukee in Wicker Park. Um, To learn more information, you can visit uh, the Instagram, Young Chicago Authors, no spaces, full words, spell it out. 
um, to sign up and learn more. Um, you'll get like the address, you'll get all the information about it. Um, wordplay, longest running youth open mic in Chicago. Uh, it's still running every Tuesday. DJ Cash Era is still asking that question of the day and curating the sounds. Um, DJ Cashera is the best DJ in Chicago if you don't do not know that um, and their open mic is still open for anyone who signs up There's a 60 person limited uh, capacity in this space So RSVP let us know that you're here um, and that you're coming not that you're here already. It's 8 p.m. This is a Wendy's um, <laughs> um, So please yeah, please come up show show up show up to, to wordplay. It really is amazing. It's where um, so many people have come up and, and uh, connected with community. So um, you you don't have, you literally don't have anything else to do on a Tuesday night. Uh, and if you got a really cool piece from Wordplay, from Every Word Counts, from Check the Method, plug your poems and music with us. If you have a new project that dropped and you want to have it featured in our monthly newsletter, email Kayla K A Y L A at YoungChicagoAuthors.org um, or visit the submission link in our Instagram bio. Again, our Instagram is Young Chicago Authors. Uh, you can even plug local events, pop-ups, crowdsource fundraisers, and job networking opportunities. Like, if you have something to say, visit yca.to slash spotlight, um, and we'll make sure that the crowds, that everybody, every single person in the Chicago streets will find out about it. I'm just kidding. Um, special shout out to The Third uh, for his latest project, Colored. Um, we had a listening party for the EP in August, and I heard it was awesome. I heard it was amazing. And that's all for the announcements. If you want us to give you a shout out in the next podcast episode, just DM us or send Kayla an email with a subject line reading, Poets in a Pod, or P-I-A-P, P-I-A-P. Uh, promo um, and we'll get back to the questions. How are you feeling, Sarah? I'm good. Are you so excited about Wordplay still being every Tuesday in person at oh. the YCA space? Yes. It's, I'm so glad that it has continued and that we're back in person. There's nothing like the live energy. I don't think I realized I, I had just gotten used to everything being on Zoom mm-hmm. but, you know, as performers it's it's different. It's transformative when you have somebody in front of you, looking at you, listening. Absolutely. Energy I think, so much. Absolutely. Like, just getting energy from other people yeah. and just being around other people, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, Corona really messed that up. But we're here. We're back. Yes. Um, and you can check out all the cute people at Wordplay um, and listen to all the amazing poetry and music and rap and everything that shows up at Wordplay. Um... Yeah, so we can go back to these questions. Can you talk a little bit about like once once you've met these people who have access to the money, what does it look like to ask them for like officially oh, yeah. get the check, for officially sure. get the bag? For yeah. sure. So I kind of talk about the foundation side, and that's pretty standard, and you kind of follow the same procedure for for all of those foundations. Um, well, there are some foundations that are more driven by just a few individuals, and that's more like individual-based. So in terms of talking to people, um, you're talking to people all the time, but in terms of talking to individual funders who are just giving their own personal money, Mm -hmm. um, it's a long process. It can be a year, years, before somebody actually makes a gift. Um, You know, the, the... 
process from identifying something that could give to getting that check can be quite a while. Mm-hmm. And you're not talking about like individual funders who are giving you $10 or whatever, donating at an event. You're talking yeah, about like large like summer. Large gifts. Yeah. So yeah, that the individual um, gifts just through, um, it's called the annual fund. Is mm-hmm. those le- like the letters you get in the mail being like, give us $10. Mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. That's ongoing. And that also involves relationship building and, and cultivating Absolutely. people and how you how you um, design and share your appeals to get the kinds of donations that you're looking to get. Mm-hmm. Um, but you're not just doing fundraising, you're doing marketing, you're doing yeah. um, networking, you're doing all yeah. kinds of stuff. Yeah, you're like I mean, at the heart multi-instrumentalist. Of it, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, at the heart of it, it's a sales job, really. Mm-hmm. I mean, but it's selling something that... <laughs> is actually value, yeah. valuable to our culture. Um, but, uh, yeah, with individuals, it's really just sort of ideally like getting to understand what their values are, what their goals are for where they want to give their money and helping align that with YCA's goals and what we need money for and being, and kind of just shaping that, um, narrative to fit what the funder is looking to fund so that nice. it's really valuable to them like so that they're giving their money something that means a lot to them um, and they get a lot out of it and then also it benefits us because we're getting money for programs that need funding mm-hmm. um i think tra- in traditional philanthropy a lot of it was like we just need to take money because we need it, mm-hmm. um, and we'll do whatever the funder is asking us to do. We'll put their name on things. We'll, you know, do all these extra, all this extra heavy lifting to make sure that we get this funding. And I think, yeah, I think I saw one of your other questions, which was like about um, the those like gray areas and those compromises yeah. that have to be made mm-hmm. um, when thinking about whether or not to accept funding from somebody. Uh, it's really about like, is this beneficial for both parties? Um, and I think sometimes it's okay to say, you know what, they're asking us to do a lot. Yeah. And they don't really even understand what's going on. Our goals, mm-hmm. what we really are. They just want um, to feel, you know, feel good and have their name on something. Mm-hmm. And I think that that is, um, that's the gray area. And that's where you have to really think ethically about, um, do we have the capacity to do this? Do we even want to do this for this? individual or, or organization like does this benefit YCA yeah and if the answer is no then you know most of the time we'll not take the money because it's interesting um that really doesn't come up very much because mm-hmm. I would say it's kind of self-selective in terms of the, the folks that want to work with us and that we want to work with like absolutely pretty much people are on board um and a lot of that old school philanthropy is fading away with as the new generations are coming up and coming up into a world where the conversations are being had mm-hmm. around equity and around um, more um, um, just accessible, inclusive giving processes. Yeah. Like another thing that some foundations are doing, um, I talk about foundations a lot because it's just the world I've lived in mm-hmm. for the most part, um, is uh, simplifying their proposal processes. So instead of asking like, 50 questions and it taking multiple days. Oh, yeah, it's write. crazy. Like, yeah. I've seen those grant, like, yeah. the, the grant proposals. All of these numbers, all of your financials, yeah. all that stuff. So some people are cutting that down. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, I mean, most small nonprofits don't have a dedicated grant writer. It's, yeah. as, as you know, it's like sometimes it's an executive director mm-hmm. or somebody working mm-hmm. there is doing that on top of the job that they have to do 
running programs. Yeah. So any ways that you can reduce that burden on the organization helps um, that, that balance of power a little bit. Yeah. That's uh, really super important, I think. Um, uh, it's it's interesting to think about, like, a lot of people think just money is money, you know what I mean? The mission is, is being forwarded, so... or the. We're, we're working on the mission, so money is coming from wherever money is coming, and we'll do whatever it takes to, 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 to get the money. But it, it's really interesting to think of, like, um, how to align the, the, the ethical part of, you know, making these decisions, because they are decisions that we're making, and it's not like things are out of our hands. Um, uh, we're able to, to, to kind of make sure that everything aligns and everything is... is um, for the sake of the mission, right? For the yeah. sake of the youth. And it's so um, important um, in terms of building trust within our team as well. Like it's something I really value about working at YCA is the space to bring these questions, these ethical, philosophical questions mm-hmm. to the table and say like, how does everyone feel about this? Like yeah. we're not just behind, we're not just making these decisions behind the curtain and just um, bringing them up. Bringing them up. Yeah. Yeah. Like. I want to be transparent, like, I want to share our donor lists and say, like, this is who's funding us, we're not hiding anything. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's really, um, like, super important. So do you think um, if you brought to the table um, unlimited funding, like, first, and this is, you know, super hypothetical, but if you did have unlimited funding... Um, what would you first do? Um, and what where would you put all of the 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 cash money? Like, what would you grow? And then, what do you think? Uh, like, aligns best with the organization? Like, what where do you see it going? Yeah, I have a boring answer and a fun answer. Cool. Uh, boring answer is put a bunch of money in uh, savings. Uh, in a reserve. So we that have is, yeah, you're a reserve. Right. Very boring. Um, yeah. We have a reserve <laughs> now, and we have had to use it. And so it's, like, really, really valuable to have that cushion. Because mm-hmm. you don't know from year to year a foundation might decline. Or they might close. Or, like, a pandemic could yes. uh, erupt you know, across little, the world. A little pandemic yeah. might happen. Um, so you got to have that cushion. So building that up just to, to support the long-term sustainability of the organization. So that's the boring answer. And then... Fun answer, I don't know if it's fun, but um, just like all the scholarships. Oh, for sure. All the scholarships. Like that's something that we're talking about now and it's sort of in the long-term vision of YCA going forward is how can we support people beyond their time at YCA as teenagers and what does it look like to support them along that pathway to careers, to mm-hmm. higher education, to whatever they want to do in their lives. And then maybe to come back after, right? Mm-hmm. As, exactly. As exactly, awesome. like cultivating the next generation of teaching artists, of artists, writers. Incredible. So um, just there's so much um, opportunity in that space to support people. So just... Yeah, it's hard. It's hard to ask someone in a nonprofit um, what they would do with a bunch of money because yeah. you're gonna answer, give it away. Yes. Um, <laughs> um, that would not be my individual answer, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, paying paying artists, right, and, yes, exactly. and paying them uh, not just like for single off gigs, but but to 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 cultivate their art and yes. to make it make it something that's part of them. That's amazing, um, especially when it's youth centered. I think that's. Um, that's what makes YCA so incredible is that, like, we're talking to, like, 13-year-olds, you know what I mean, about how to effectively express their feelings, how to use their craft to do that, to connect, and that's, that's I think, amazing. 
Um, and we and we talked about. Uh, do you feel there is really an intense disconnect between you know uh, maybe not the thirteen year old that we're talking to, but maybe the people on the ground doing the work versus um, the people who are who are funding it? Like do, you, do you, and we we talked about I mean stuffy rooms and and organiza- and foundations, but. Um, how does your work try to kind of bridge that gap? What does that uh, look like? Yeah, um, I would say, so we're operating on a baseline power imbalance because of money. Absolutely. So there's that, and that isn't going to change until, you know, capitalism changes. But um, in terms of bridging the gap, I think it's just... um, Cultivating spaces where it feels good for funders to watch the work. Like, I, I never want to be in a situation where it feels like young people are being exploited mm-hmm. or, like, put on show. Because that can very quickly happen. Um, look what these yeah, kids so look can at the do. Children, yeah. you know. Um, so I never want to do that. I want it to be a space where... Um, young people are performing and they're proud to share that work mm-hmm. and they feel like they were seen and appreciated. Um, and so, I mean, it's pretty easy at YCA because it's, the work is so compelling mm-hmm. and so beautiful to witness. So I, um, you know, make sure when I'm bringing a funder into the space that it's respectful um, for everyone. Um, and I think that goes a long way in helping them understand what the culture of YCA is. Yeah. And not, um, like, immediately um, immediately stop the assumption that we are that kind of, like, let's help the children. Like, mm-hmm. it's not about that. Um, so I think just starting from that standpoint and moving forward from that understanding of, like, we this is our mission. We are buying for young people in Chicago, and, like, that's how we're going to go about this mm-hmm. process. Um, and I would say most people are on board with that. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, but yeah. there is there is that inherent imbalance. Of course, and yeah. And I would say my role um, on the development team is to sit in the middle and navigate that yeah. and make sure that um, both sides are feeling appreciated. And, and the way that I do that without completely burning out is to just um, approach it within with gratitude just mm. lead with gratitude like I say That's thank you so beautiful so much <laughs> like I am always saying thank you and um I've only recently been like thinking about how that affects my relationships with people mm. and makes other people around me feel yeah um and I think it's so important and everyone needs to say thank you more to say like I appreciate you like I appreciate that you did that like thank you um That's beautiful. because it just makes people feel good well, can I just say thank you so much for talking to me today? I am super grateful for everything. Like, this has uh, been super enlightening. I mean, um, I've worked so, uh, like, loosely with the nonprofit or with the nonprofit industry, and it's this is super um, interesting information um, to hear from someone that's been, been here for years. Um, and, I, and I know... All of our listeners are super interested too. Uh, this is like these are really really important conversations, yes. um, okay. and and we don't we, we really don't have enough conversations like this. No, and um, we need more people, especially young people and people in our communities, to be asking these questions right? and pushing on organizations. Yeah. To be like, how how are you holding yourselves accountable 
to actually meeting the needs of the people that you're trying to serve. Because that's how we we change those uh, implicit power imbalances, yes. right? That's how we break those boundaries. Um, thanks, thanks for answering all these questions. Um, course thank you guys for tuning in um please uh follow sarah um please follow sarah's uh knitting and sewing page at coral.fiber.arts listen listen to her music sarahlijinski.bandcamp.com um and uh, glassmountaintrio.bandcamp.com or on spotify um come to come to the events at yca um they're all amazing Follow us on Instagram, Young Chicago Authors. Um, follow me on Instagram at AJ underscore Soller, S-A-L-E-H. Um, but, you know, Young Chicago Authors plays me sometimes, so just follow them uh, or follow us. Um, but, yeah, thanks so much for listening. You guys have a great rest of your month, week. Okay, have a great rest of your time. Enjoy your days.